0: I realized, at full growth, my balls are a two-razor job. I I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Sense people. Nine Sense is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by the lovely Erin. How are you, my dear?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: Well as well. We're all well. Well.
2: Well. You know. Well.
0: well. <laughs> it is great to have you the listeners. Thank you for tuning in, as always. It is June 14th, and we have a fantastic show for you this, I don't know, hmm. week, evening, afternoon, as it is right now. It is a beautiful day over here in Utah. How is it on your side of the planet?
1: Oh, it's fine.
0: It's a little warm. A little muggy. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have a wonderful show. We're going to start with Devil's Advocate, and we're going to talk a little politics. Just a little bit. Just yeah. stating some facts and maybe some observations. We have another Something Different with Heather Height. This is episode four, Chinese Seinfeld Rebellion. And in the Infernal Informant, we're going to talk about a little article titled Rachel Dolezal to address furrow over her race. Who defines racial identity? Hmm. Here may- we go. <laughs> I may lose some friends over this. And of course, Aaron is here. We got a little down at the Crossroads. What is this one?
1: This one's called 300 Pounds of Heavenly Joy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's some images that immediately have popped in my head right when you said I would that. Hope right. so, that's yeah. episode 34 of Down at the Crossroads. I'm looking forward to that every single time. Uh, Aaron, it is so good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you, too. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> You're like, you know, it's a fucking chore, Adam. Everywhere. it's a fucking chore. Um, no, okay, so you and I are going to be joining another individual. And for those of you who tuned into the last series of Satanists on Satanic Cinema, we've got two more coming. Aaron's going to be on one of them, and I've got uh, two other outstanding individuals lined up for yet another one after that so in the coming weeks keep your eyes peeled to satanists on sataniccinema.com there's going to be more episodes and of course the last ones are already well still available uh milton eroticism if you're paying attention to social media some updates are coming uh what everyone has been asking for it's finally taking shape and I've been teasing and I haven't done it today yet and so I'm gonna have to every single day for the next couple days we have a new segment coming to nine cents a new nine-cents segment and I don't want to let anyone know about it yet because I wanna build up a little anticipation (laughs) but it's gonna be good it's gonna blow some of your fucking minds is what it's gonna do Good stuff. Uh, So look forward to that. I'm going to be revealing it. I think it's going to be next week uh, on the show. So you'll get a lot of teases beforehand. And if you're smart or clever or maybe able to piece my very obvious puzzles together, then you're going to already know ahead of time. Anyway, so stay tuned it's gonna be good stuff people I got some good stuff and that's gonna make the ninth segment for nine cents and um, I've already said we're only gonna go for nine years I sense God. a numerical theme here
1: I, I sense it as well
0: it might be 18
1: I think it,
0: oh, I thought it was like 27 oh shit Ble- there's gonna be math involved in this episode yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I think you're right <laughs> yeah. 26 Um it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one. The, basically what I started. Oh, I don't know, like three. How long have you been doing this with me? Because oh, you were dear. the first contributor. Third. So whenever you started, I've I've gone down this path that I'm a little bit starting to become afraid of of phasing myself out of. It's <laughs> <my sense. laughs>
1: <That's> not <laughs> Which possible.
0: I'm just a little terrified of, to be quite honest. But there I've been sort clue. of phasing myself out and bringing in other satanic perspectives, other individuals of uh, tremendous value, yourself included, Aaron. And I, I mean, it, it's an exciting time for 9 Cents. We only have, you know, we're sort of at a halfway point right now. Uh, we're at four and a half years, I think, officially, oh, I think something like that anyway uh... so we're halfway through the life cycle of nine cents uh... at least with me being a part of it i don't know that it actually would live on beyond me uh... but it's entirely possible that it would Um, and so i think it's important i i think everyone listening needs to help make the last half of this uh... creature we've all put together together uh, help it uh, mature and grow by way of sharing it with other people. And you guys have done such a wonderful job to date of letting us know how you feel, uh, how in some cases it's touched you in some uh, episodes and how it's infuriated you in others, how you absolutely adore some of our intro music and detest others. (laughs) Having a relationship with all of you... um, by way of email and social media is really wonderful and it's exciting and it's something completely different than I ever anticipated uh, once, you know, when I started this whole process alone. So I'm really excited about this last half of this life of 9 cents and I really want you guys to really ramp up your support. Uh, We want to go out with a bang here. So make sure that wherever you're getting 9 cents, whether it's YouTube, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, um, maybe even on Facebook. Wherever you're getting it, you're sending uh, your ratings, you're sending your testimonials and your comments, and you're letting us know, and you're letting other people know what you think of 9 Cents. Uh, And of course it's been, and here's something that's a little bit weird, I've, I've gone out of my way to avoid posting every episode on different news feeds, I guess I'll say. Uh, I don't know why I'm being (laughs) like all weird about it. Uh, But I've been asked to do it. And so if you're getting inundated with I don't know, you know, weekly updates of Nine Cents, just, you know, grin and bear it and move past it. Continue tuning in the show. I'm not trying to hit anyone over the head. But I'm just sort of fulfilling what I've been asked to fulfill by a lot of you out there. Uh, You want a little bit more exposure and so I'm giving it and you know what, if you get sick of it, I just don't pay attention to it. Um, But we do really appreciate you guys' support in this entire beast that we've put together. Uh, So another website note, um, I'm adding in some of the segments that have been absent to uh, the website. and. It, it takes a little bit of time, so have a little bit of patience, and I, I appreciate that you do. Um, generally, I'm updating Satanists on Satanic Cinema with the release of the new episodes to make it mobile friendly, a little bit more access- blah, blah, accessible. <laughs> accessible? Accessible? And I'm um, also, th- that salon that I presented on the podcast, The Greater Satanic Conversation, I've developed a website around that presentation, and it's actually really almost ready to be rolled out. Uh, I'm just not officially making the announcement, but if you have two brain cells to rub together, you can find out the URL on your own and check that out. Uh, It is actually, uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's interesting. Hopefully you find it interesting as well. Um, And I guess that's going to do it for the beginning. I just got back. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit out of sorts. I just got back from a movie. We took the family to see the new movie Jurassic World.
1: Oh, my God. Did you love it?
0: I actually did. I absolutely oh. loved it. I didn't see the second or third one. No, I didn't and, either. And so I didn't really have. you seen it yet?
1: No, not yet. I was okay. waiting to hear somebody tell me if it was good or
0: bad. I really enjoyed it. And right. it it was so good that Chris Pratt was really good in it. He actually made my top five H&H Dude, in this movie.
1: H, I'm sorry, H&H?
0: You don't remember me talking about So I've talked about this a <laughs> couple of times. But yeah. it's uh, top five hetero and homo. Sexualist, the top five remember. people that I would have sex with, the drop of a hat, whether they be men or women. Uh he he's, he's kicked his way into it.
1: He's charming as fuck. I will tell you that.
0: He is in, in this particular movie, like in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, he was really nice. Be- it was it was good because he was sort of goofy and stupid, and you know, still entertaining stuff. In this, he's just like the man's man.
2: Oh he's, really?
0: He's not. Yeah, like and it's us? really fucking cool. I'm like I he's a total alpha I mean in terms of the storyline and in terms of his performance Uh, alpha male it everything about him is sort of the iconic of what a man should be in the eyes of Hollywood at least and you know taking out the obvious uh, past uh, homosexual overtones of what a man should be through Hollywood's eyes (laughs) because like every man's man was gay historically it seemed like um (laughs) actor. Anyway, he did a really, really wonderful job, and it was funny, and it was scary, and it was just a little bit gory. It had, that. this movie had every single notes of everything that makes movies really great. You know, it, and it was entertaining for all ages, And but it wasn't like, I mean, there were some f- funny moments in it, but it wasn't trying to be funny in any way, mm-hmm. and it, I don't know, it, it had the kingpin actor, I can't remember his name, sorry. Uh, from oh, an da- D'Onofrio? Yeah. I think so, yeah. From the Daredevil that, series on Netflix.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, so he was in it, and he's sort of the bad guy in it as well. I mean, it's yeah. not really a bad guy, because the bad guy is the dinosaur. But, and I'm not going to spoil anything plot-wise, but it's it's definitely worth looking into. And it's, you know, my daughter is, uh, you know, pretty young, and she's still, blood and gore aside, was completely okay with watching the entire thing. So,
1: it was a really
0: good show. Like, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it.
1: Cool.
0: I don't think I should have enjoyed it. Especially because there was this really large woman sitting right next to me. And like they... I've never seen this before and I, I I want you to tell me if this has ever happened to you or if you are concerned about this. But for me, whenever I go into a theater and you get your ticket and you get your little seating assignment with the ticket, I'm always a little bit worried I'm going to be sitting in someone else's seat and then they're going to be like, oh, excuse me sir, you're, you're in my seat. And you're going to have to have that awkward conversation of, no, but my ticket. And then you realize you're a dumbass and you got it wrong. Do you do you ever think about that at
1: all? I have never been to a movie theater that had assigned seating. Oh, really? Is that a Utah thing or I don't I know. Never had an assigned seat in a movie theater in my life. Wow never once
0: <laughs> it never existed when I was a kid but oh. um, at least this newer theater that started cropping up since I don't know maybe I was in high school or something it's gotten more and more popular and chains have spread out um, they do assigned seating there and so maybe that's it is that's crazy a, it is weird because you got everyone walking in balancing popcorn and soda and candy and trying to find their stupid ticket to no. find out if they're in the right seat and it, it's like going to a, a, a stadium game or something and you know yeah. you you have to be in your right fucking seat. It's really weird. I would the never fat-
1: do that. <laughs> there's no fucking way I would be. I would no, because the minute you walk into the, a theater, the first thing you do is start scanning the room for who you can tolerate sitting next to. If I had to <laughs> had to sit next to somebody, there's no way I can't <clears throat> handle it. What, what if you get a total dud like you did? Tell me about this fat lady next to you. She was a monster, right. right?
0: So she was an absolute monster, right? Mm -mm. But she lived my fear. Like, she was in the... And it was five of them that all came filing in like this big fat family and sat down their little fat family butts in the (laughs) seats right next to me. And then this little, you know, small, thin couple. I don't know why I keep using body size as a reference i know it's wildly offensive to some of you listening i'm just doing it for fun don't take offense um, Look, as
1: a fat girl i give you permission to talk about <laughs> i have permission
0: and what is fat really who can define what fat is
1: i mean we'll i
0: identify self-identify as fat
1: but i'm not really fat Oh, my See? God. I'd 200. love to make that argument next time someone brings up the Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner thing. Like, yeah, I'm a supermodel trapped in a fat girl's body. Where's my sexual or my body reassignment surgery? I think
0: you're a hero. I think you're a hero.
1: I'm coming out as a supermodel. I'm just trapped in a fat girl's body. You just think you body. should
0: just accept that you're a supermodel, Aaron and oh, everyone I else will wait. accept you, too.
1: I can't wait to start living my life as a six-foot-tall supermodel. <laughs>
0: um okay so they were in the wrong seats this family came up they're like oh i'm sorry look here's the ticket you're in my seat they refused to move oh like they just said no look at us it takes energy for us to stand and walk (laughs) and you're thin and lithe you could float to different seats so float away thinnies because that's what people call thin people, thinnies.
1: Thinny, and so yeah.
0: <laughs> the thinnies waddled off, and I couldn't believe it. And so she looked over at me hungrily, and I think she just <laughs> wanted to take a bite. And she was like, what seat are you in? And so I feel this awkward sense that I have to prove it. So I right. reach into my pocket. And you know what? You have to reach in your pocket. You have to, like, lift your pelvis, like, so my balls right. are, like, coming a little bit closer to her face whip out my ticket I'm like look I'm in the right seat are you and it's dark and she's like holding her tickets up and she's whispering to her husband like I think we're in the wrong seats we might be in the wrong theater what theater oh my (laughs) god dude completely out of their mind have no idea what they're doing it's the most basic thing ever you look at your ticket it says the fucking theater room you're supposed to be in the ticket says your seating assignment and these fatties got it wrong and they kicked the thinnies out they refused to
1: move for the thinnies it was so weird (laughs) that's weird dude i don't know what's happening in utah but it's (laughs) out of control when you go to picture shows and have assigned seating it is a totally different world to me So weird. Yeah, so
0: the whole time she was like blubbering and jiggly and her jiggly blubbering is like bumping into my jiggly blubberies and it's, oh, it was so uncomfortable. (laughs) It got to the point I actually turned my back to her, like I turned my ass to her side so I wouldn't have to share the armrest with her, and so my son was like, why are you crawling up on me, Dad? Back off. (laughs) I'm like, please, I can't take this anymore, I need to be away. It was weird. Great show though, uh, really worth it. And it was the only show that my daughter didn't go running around the theater. She usually likes to explore, but it <laughs> kept her attention the whole time. It was really great. Cool. All right, so should we
1: <laughs> please start the we'll
0: show? Might. I guess. In nomine excelsior. in the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth. The king, though I'm an active member, I do not speak for.
1: All right, this is the Church of Satan's policy on politics. What constitutes the Church of Satan's stance on any number of political issues is a topic often broached by students working on papers, journalists of varying stripes and in intelligence, and other assorted researchers, trolls, or people with some form of axe to grind. Here is what we consider to be the briefest answer. And this is a quote from High Priest Peter H. Gilmore from the essay A Map for the Misdirected. He says, quote, as has been said many times before, one's politics are up to each individual member, and most of our members are political pragmatists. They support political candidates and movements whose goals reflect their own practical needs and desires. Our members span an amazing political spectrum which includes, but is not limited to libertarians, liberals, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Reform Party members, independent, capitalists, socialists, communists, Stalinists, Leninist, Trotskyites, Maoists, Zionists, Monarchists, Fascists, Anarchists and just about anything else you could possibly imagine it is up to each member to apply satanism and determine what political means will reach his or her ends and they are each solely responsible for this decision freedom and responsibility must be a novel concept for those who aren't satanists we take it in stride members who demand conformity from other members to their particular political fetish are welcome to depart
0: so yeah, i believe we've actually spoken to this on the podcast before it would have been years ago but i bring it up again <laughs> uh one i'd really like to hear some uh, opinions from you aaron on the subject uh but also you know they're sort of out of the limelight now but there was uh, a time when there were these fringe uh satanic air quotes groups that were arguing that the Church of Satan didn't do anything, that they didn't have any movements, that they were just sort of stagnant and stale, and that they would instead move forward this sort of, again, air quote, uh, satanic agenda. Mm. And that's, like, they just never read this essay or heard of it before, because that is completely against what makes... What, what the Church of Satan is as an organization, but also what makes Satanism so powerful is that it's not a lockstep movement that everyone believes in and everyone backs up and we we have candidates that everyone has to send money to and, and support with their votes. It's, it's all of us individuals for ourselves. We, there are so many different, just in that quote alone, uh, types of political ideologies that we all follow individually and to think that we could all banner behind one is absolutely absurd and ignores what it means to be a satanist an individual
1: you know yeah oh, i totally agree but it's so hard because that's how you want you want to make these connections you know you want everyone to feel the way no matter who you are somewhere mm-hmm. deep down inside you want at least most people to see you for who you are and 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 agree with your politics not mm-hmm. me i don't give a shit well that's <laughs> not true that's not true i can't everyone I, but not me i mean i don't i don't politics are so absurd to me that i don't put a lot of stock in someone's except except well now i'm backing up but oh, most boy. people if if they weren't honest with themselves and honest with me then I wouldn't care what their politics were but so many people ha like toe the line toe the party line like they just mm-hmm. they're this one thing and then that's who they are so they just fit their lives to to become that one thing and I don't like those people and I don't think that there are many members of the church that are like that because that's sort of antithetical to our ideas mm-hmm. but people you know I don't I don't want to know people's politics, if only there was a way for me not to fucking hear people's politics. But Facebook is, of course, has ruined that completely. (laughs) Like, there are so many people that I have, that I know in real life, and then I look at their Facebook and I'm just like, you're a fucking psycho. Like, you think (laughs) the craziest things I've ever heard. How did I, I wish I didn't know this about you. I wish you didn't believe in contrails or, you know, or just, or aliens or, or some political thing, or, you know, I just don't want to know these things. But unfortunately we know too much about people now.
0: So you don't want to know about their politics because it colors who they are in your eyes.
1: Yeah, maybe so.
0: So does that, does it manifest in your physical relationship with them you know like your one-on-one not your online relationship it's like so once hard. you find out that someone and just for argument's sake we're gonna say oh. uh <laughs> you found out that this individual is a rabid li- liberal and you in this hypothetical detest <laughs> that a hundred percent will that change how you interact with them
1: oh of course i c- it couldn't not it could what? not i couldn't pretend like i don't know that's the thing is if if but of course people can't and won't ever just stop talking about the shit they believe in like i guess that's yeah. not asking a lot from me but <laughs> uh you know like people I'm, and i'm talking about like people i work with not my friends like my friends i want to know everything about them so i can mm-hmm. know that i like them or don't but i mean like co-workers and casual acquaintances like i i can meet most people i meet i i want to like them you know Mm -hmm. i really do like i want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt until but then they fucking start running their mouth and then i realize like oh here i go again like nope i can't like you (laughs) i don't know have i taken this way off topic probably Mm -hmm. but
0: (laughs) well maybe (laughs) maybe a little bit but i think it's an interesting uh divergence here from from the original because it, it speaks to that idea of we are discriminating as Satanists, mm-hmm. which proves it's impossible that we could have a unified political belief system. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we literally will refuse interaction with people based on their thoughts and their expressions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yet somehow some people still think that we should have some unified movement front. Like we mm-hmm. should all somehow still band together over these ridiculous things. Um, like politics for example and I I have a deep-seated love-hate relationship with politics Mm -hmm. I I love the game I love election cycles and I I love being involved in it because I think it brings out really what is the worst in us and so it's like the best drama ever is watching real life (laughs) and and people in uh, like an election year it's like the best drama ever. It's better than any TV show. And so to I- To me,
1: uh, it's like, it's almost like pro wrestling. Like, you know, it's all yes, bullshit, yes. but you're like, oh, I can't turn away. Like, you know, it's all bullshit, right? Like mm-hmm. none of these people have any real thoughts, you know? <laughs> then none of these people are really gonna change the world except for the worst. Because mm. poli- politicians are not the people that you really want making decisions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, but in a way, I, and I understand, I understand your affinity for it. I don't share that affinity. I fucking detest politics. The last oh, thing I ever want to hear about is politics. But, but to me, I can't. <laughs> well, but I love pro this. wrestling. So, so we're you know I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's really interesting for me because you know just, just like you were explaining, it forces us for some reason. It forces us to spew out the most insane thoughts that we have in social media and in person a lot of cases and we it's so solipsistic to think that everyone out there shares your idea that they're going to want to hear your opinion about this whatever it is political movement it's so really it's so crazy it's so entertaining it's so fun I can't help but be fascinated by and infuriated by those who completely ignore the satanic side of things. So, um, let me share this idea here. Okay. That uh, my first exposure with, uh, I guess, Satanists Online was Mm -hmm. through listening to Satanism today. Mm -hmm. And I would say the majority of the political views that were shared I didn't agree with but I loved that it was there that it was active and alive and passionate and it was it was something that really it opened my eyes because up until that point I mean to be honest I I joined the the Church of Satan in uh, 98 November 98 and I had lived uh, you know years without ever communicating with any other Satanist at all like I just I thought it was a philosophy that I connected with and that was it uh, and then I started listening to Satanists today and I started realizing every Satanist out there is not like me like yeah. I I knew I was different from everyone else right. that I met and I talked to just but in my, the nature that I was the Satanist I knew I was different I never thought that I would be different from even other Satanists. I thought that we'd be connecting on some level. Uh And the more, at least for me, and let me know if if you share this idea. I do. The (laughs) (laughs) The more I connect with other Satanists, I realize that it is our individuality that we connect with it is the fact that we are dramatically different and see things dramatically different and behave dramatically different that's what i love about meeting other satanists and connecting with them is that we're not cookie cutter and i mean just the idea that you would want them to be mm-hmm. tears down what makes satanism special you know mm-hmm. it, it's just it stuns me where do you think i mean you spoke to it briefly i mean it's it's sort of i guess it's inherent in us to want everyone to think like us um at
1: least to understand us at least to say i hear where you're coming from yeah, you know yeah. um but it was for me it was a really bitter pill to swallow at first when i started meeting other satanists outside of my circle because you know i i, I made a, few, a couple friends who were satanists and then i thought that's I thought they were what Satanists were like for some mm-hmm. fucking dumb reason. You know what I mean? Like I don't know why. I just I met these couple of people and, I, and then I was like, oh okay, I get it. I know what other Satanists are like. They're they're pretty much like me in a lot of ways. But then as like you did with Satanism today, I totally I listened to that as well and started interacting with people. And then you know MySpace and Facebook and um, mm-hmm. the wider my net got, the the more spun out i got i was just like whoa man these people are are nothing like me you know and i sort of had like a crisis of you know an identity crisis of sorts i was like i know who i am who are these other people and how do i fit into that i mean it's something i still struggle with like how do where do i fit into this
2: Hmm. you know
1: i know who i am how do i make it work with these other fucking wackos (laughs) (laughs) how am i supposed to relate to them and and the truth is i don't i'm not supposed to i don't mm. have to that's the beauty of it. that's why we like it so much is cuz you know we're all kind of weirdos in a lot of way, in some oh, yeah. ways you know oh yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> and you know i'll never fit in i've always known that since i was a little kid i always knew like no matter what i did i was never going to fit in anywhere um and like i said it's a bitter pill to swallow and especially something like satanism that i so identify with you know that is so much a part of my life um because there's other things horseback riding i never fucking fit in with those people those rich dicks you know (laughs) but i loved horseback riding so much that i didn't care you know but and then there was like um uh, oh i don't know music group like i didn't i didn't the scenes, any scene mm-hmm, that I got yeah. into, and we don't have to talk about what scene I was into. But like I, <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking belong here either. But the the cool thing about Satanism is like Satanism is that I know exactly who I am. It's such a big part of my life, that mm-hmm. it. But I realized like I don't have to fit in, and that's the dopest part about it all is that I, you know, I'll never fit in, and so what.
0: <laughs> it is really interesting because I would say. Virtually anyone who is first exposed to Satanism immediately wants to have that connection with other mm-hmm. people, and and when they find other Satanists, they want them so desperately to be like them. And when you find out that they are not, there is this, as you said, uh, this sort of crisis of self almost. Where you're like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, if they're Satanists, right. how can how I can be I Satanists?"
1: Be? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: then, of course, you you read and you study and you realize, oh, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm not Satanist because someone else is. I'm Satanist because I am, and it I doesn't am. matter what someone else is. So it's
1: really comforting.
0: Yeah, it, it's actually really nice because it it's not an us versus them mentality, mm-hmm. and that's. What I think is dramatically different with this particular religion and virtually any other that I've had any personal experience with, where it is very much in us versus them, even in the same groups. So uh, I don't really want to talk about this too in-depth, but um, growing up, my parents were Mormons, and it's a very catty society to be a part of. women are backstabbing constantly they're trying to out and you know mormon you they're trying to be more holier than thou and it's a lot of oh my gosh did you see the shorts she was wearing she couldn't have been wearing garments with those short shorts and so you're suddenly a better mormon than there so it, it's like that and if you happen to have a different political mind that's why there's such a, a big schism within uh that particular religion between uh mormons who are okay with homosexuals and those who are not and that's why it took so long for blacks to be accepted in the uh, mm-hmm. that particular religion in satanism don't fucking matter doesn't matter yeah. you don't agree you don't like you don't accept doesn't matter you be you yeah. let everyone else be them and that is what's so fantastic um politically i mean we're talking politics here it follows through. Now, we're moving into a political season in the United States. Um, I believe we just got out of one in uh, the UK, right? I don't know. I'm talking to my ass here. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a political cycle that was just happening over there. Um, And so, if you're into it, if you're active in social media online, keep that in mind, people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. because you don't agree doesn't mean anyone wants to hear your stupid opinion. Oh, and gosh. if you just really want to share something with someone else, keep it to yourself and don't. <laughs> Where's to live by? Uh, hmm. Check out some uh, rules of the earth if you uh, have any other questions oh, on that. Gosh. I just wanted to bring this up and talk about a little bit of politics with the woman who hates it.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad
0: I did that. Um, let's do a little something different and then uh, jump over to Infernal Informant. Sure.
1: Sure you <laughs>
2: Welcome to another segment of Something Different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. Back in December, I read an article from the Los Angeles Times about the banning of puns by Chinese media regulators, citing that the State General Administration of Press, Publication, Radio, Film, and Television issued an order restricting puns and irregular wordplay on television and in advertising. So it was surprising to me that just yesterday, I started seeing stories pop up on the internet about the emergence of stand-up comedy in Beijing. With the increasing battle against stand-up comedians by the politically correct, including the, re- the recent back-and-forth between comedian Jerry Seinfeld and politically correct college students, my opinion that stand-up is the last bastion of free speech has only been reinforced. If, as Seinfeld says, political correctness is bad for comedy, How will comedy evolve in a country like China where the government dictates what is correct to say? The earliest form of any kind of stand-up in China, a word I won't even pretend to pronounce, roughly translates to English as crosstalk, was itself born from rebellion against a government-mandated 100 days of mourning after the death of the emperor in 1861. The Chinese government has twice outlawed and even- burn the scripts of crosstalk routines in past decades and in every instance it would see a resurgence the moment there was a turnover in government and the Chinese people had an opportunity to rebel. Much like how the marriage of Figaro mocked the aristocracy, the topics covered by these Abbott and Costello-esque routines were usually parodying the previously overthrown oppressive government. The recent emergence of mainly observational stand-up comedy that focused on focuses on relatable issues of marriage, kids, work, and just being human actually came about due to Chinese government restrictions on programs centered on singing and talent competitions. Apparently, the state general administration of press publication, radio, film, and television simply thought there were too many of them. No punny headlines and no more America's Got Talent? Who's making these decisions and would they like a program director position for a major American network? At first I thought, if comedy is a sign of a society free to rebel, why would college students, arguably and statistically, the most likely to be rebelling against something, not embrace it, even if they don't agree with it? Then I thought about American stand-up's dark past. Blackface was the first to come to mind. No pun intended. Agree with him or not, the roots of what Anthony Berteau was speaking about in his politically correct college students open letter to Jerry Seinfeld lie in America's long history of parodying the lower caste members of society. But even in the case of the caricatures of poor blacks in the South, what eventually became minstrelsy <laughs> stems from stories reminiscent of Brer Rabbit and Brer Fox, wherein the clever underdogs typically outsmarted their social superiors. Now, Don't get your panties in a bunch when I say this, but I agree with the core argument Berto presented. Be offensive, but have substance. Be saying something. And while I find it ridiculous and pretentious that this college student took it upon himself to tell Jerry Seinfeld what his job is, I have said myself that stand-up plays an important role in presenting or revealing social commentary. Still, Bertot needs to get the fucking stick out of his ass. Who is he to determine what is a valid social commentary? Or determine whether or not we, every comic needs to be fixing something. Even so-called X-rated ventriloquist act Otto and George is revealing an element of social injustice. When George, that's the puppet, says, Oh look, a black guy. Guilty. Thank you for listening to this is very short. <laughs> but... I think poignant segment of something different with Heather height on nine cents. You can write to me at Heather at yahoo.com. Um, but you have to say nice things to me or, you know, there'll be consequences. You can find me on Facebook, Heather height, and I am at Heather height on Twitter. Have a great week. Hail Satan.
0: Woman. You don't there. Rachel Dolezal to address fur furor over sure. her race. <laughs> Who defines racial identity? Uh, Rachel Dolezal, president of Spokane, Washington, chapter of the NAACP, has said she will publicly address the controversy about her race and ethnicity on Monday, and this is by Jessica Mendoza, staff writer for the Christian Science Monitor, posted June 14. Civil rights leader Rachel Dolezal, I, I hope I'm saying that right, has said she will respond to the controversy surrounding her racial identity on a statement Monday night, and... Um, she's president of the Spokane Washington chapter of uh, blah 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 she's long asserted that she's at least partly African American heritage she's been accused (laughs) yeah, (laughs) quite literally Um, uh, let's see she's been accused of lying about ethnicity after her parents said she was born Caucasian the (laughs) revelation has sparked global discussion about the definitions of racial identity and what it means to be black in today's world Quote, as you probably know by now, there are questions and assumptions swirling in national and global news about my family, my race, my credibility, and the NAACP. It all said in a message to the NAACP members. I've discussed the situation, including personal matters with the executive committee, which will uh, she'll make a statement again on Monday. The executive team asked that I also release my response statement at the same time. Uh, So far, the NAACP has supported Dolezal, who has served as president for the Spokane branch since January and been a civil rights advocate for years. One's racial identity is not a qualifying criteria or disqualifying standard for NAACP members. I'm sorry, leadership, the organization, which added Uh, that it stands by her record. We encourage Americans of all stripes to become members and serve as leaders in our organization. Uh, But Dolezal's apparent deceit, identifying a black man as her father, misrepresenting her ethnicity in government forms, and referring to her dark curls as natural, though she was born with straight blonde hair, had led some to say her actions belittle this meaning and experience of black identity. Alright, so... Mm. i yeah i'm gonna right? say something wildly offensive right now i hope Ugh. i hope well, no one's stop, listening nah.
1: uh, no one's, we used no to call
0: does. this a wigger growing up ouch
1: yeah but they didn't pretend to well i mean they didn't yeah no, they do, totally like, did. i mean they didn't claim right. to be
0: black they just like they never said like
1: here's my black to dad have cultural
0: habits yeah behaviors so okay we are two white people that are completely self-identifying as black. So how does this affect you? <laughs> uh,
1: this is, affects me deeply. I don't I wish I oh my god, do I not give a shit about this woman, but unfortunately, everyone now knows her name. Um this is crazy to me. Uh I don't I mean, I almost don't even know what to say about this. Like who the fuck does she think she is?
0: How do you how do you think we define our race? I mean, she she obviously yeah. desperately wants to be a black woman, and I, I'm not casting any statement about that. Just as fact, she dyes her hair, she curls her hair, she it looks like tans in order to get that complexion. Right. I mean, she, just on the street, you would look at her and say, "Yep, yeah, that is a black woman." I, I mean, so. she she's going to such great lengths
1: right and she's I, okay. lying too she's well, absolutely
0: that's... lying but is she so okay let, let me say this really quick in the military uh there was a uh, this <laughs> Actually, a really colorful woman, wonderful woman, um, white girl who is full of soul and character, and she would constantly say that she had the soul of a black woman, which I always thought funny because I didn't think anyone who believed in souls believed souls had some sort of ethnicity carryover, or or some inherent previous ethnicity that would then infuse themselves into someone. Um, so I thought that, that was weird, s-
1: speaking figuratively, but. <laughs>
0: I don't think she was. I really don't think she was. Um, And so there are people who strongly identify with different ethnicities born outside of them. Uh, Is this the same as sexuality?
1: Right, so... um, This is the
0: obvious connection here.
1: Well, there's sexuality or gender, because apparently Mm. those are two different things. Okay,
0: I'm sorry, you're right. Gender.
1: (laughs) Um, I don't know I mean I guess Any people have made the comparison I don't know if it's a fair I mean this is totally new No to, to you Us, But yeah I I don't Uh, No <laughs> <a cool> <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and say No because it's like Okay but I feel like every argument I have against this woman I can I, I immediately Think of it's um, Analogous mm you know it's you know to the gender identity thing like i don't know i i want to say like it's determined by genetics but then of course there's that like ah but so is being a woman but the thing the problem is that that she's not she's deceiving people and to me that's the difference between someone who is white and identifies as black okay so that's what she did and but she lied about it and then there's Mm women who identify as men or men who identify as women it's but they're not they're only lying to protect themselves but then i'd go back to like oh well, yeah maybe that's, that's what good. she was doing like she just wants to help black people like that's all she wanted to do she wanted to, to rise in the ranks of the NAACP so she had to tell a few fibs you know um and who knows did she outright lie or was she just sort of obfuscating or you know or was she just
0: well i mean it does say that she made some blanket statements about her father and about her hair. Well, did and- she?
1: But, I mean, she sort of made these oblique references. Like, I, did, I don't know for sure, but did she ever say, like, this This black man is my father? Or did she just, like, pose in a picture with a black man and then make a reference to her father? Not necessarily saying, this is my father, but my father was in town this week for the blah 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 You know, implying, yeah. of course, that that was her father, but not necessarily. But, you know... And then you're just fucking splitting hairs. So I don't know. This woman seems as though she's got some kind of pathological problems. But then didn't they used to say that about transgender people? Didn't they used to say that about homosexuals? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like who the – I don't know. What if this is the first of many like – a new movement of people coming yeah, whole community
0: out. is going to be sprouting up in the wake Who of knows? this you, rachel you are we're all black with you and it's just right. a bunch of whiteies.
1: what if she's um, finally saying what what so many people are thinking you know what if that's the case i don't know I, it's crazy to i me. honestly
0: think we've just gone off the fucking rails like it's <laughs> what okay so for me personally i don't I don't care if you identify as a black person or a white person. I don't even care if you lie about it, and more to the point, I don't care if you lie about it and are caught and still continue lying, saying that this is just mm-hmm. how I was born. Um, I'm a black woman. Uh, you have poor, to. Poor life, you man. have to accept that. I don't care. It, it doesn't affect me in any way. So you do you, man. Just right. whatever. However, yeah. it does bring up an interesting point about mm-hmm. humanity and self identity. Mm-hmm. So let yeah. me take this a little closer to home here.
1: Uh-oh. We identify
0: <laughs> as Satanists.
1: Right, right, right. What is
0: it that makes us Satanists? So, I mean, and how can we extrapolate that idea to how other people identify as whatever? A black woman. A oh, transsexual yeah. male. transsexual female. I mean... That's a good question. Uh, I, I genuinely think that yeah. I was born this way. I don't I mean, obviously, I only made that connection after I read the Satanic Bible. I knew I was different. I was treated differently by my peers. <laughs> it could have been for this reason. It could have been for any number of reasons. If we are a... If if we are a product of the environment that we grew up in, and our interpretation of that environment, then who's to say that she is not genuinely a black woman? And, and you made this, you know, sort of offhanded remark about this early on, but it is absolutely true. As human beings, we all came out of Africa. Mm-hmm. Genetically, we right. are all Africans. Well, so, I'm not, like, but... I mean, you're not, but <laughs> you came from Mars. <laughs> <Yeah. and you're... laughs> yeah. But if you believe in evolution, and you believe that we did, in fact, spring out, then... How far back do you have to go in order to just give this woman a pass? Well,
1: and that's what I would imagine that many black people may be thinking if they are thinking about this woman at all. And let's hope they're not. Um, But she's saying sort of like, you know, if you go back far enough, I do have some some African blood in me or whatever. Like, okay, but then there's that sort of idea of like the one drop idea, you know, when they Mm -hmm. were talking about the octet. Runes and shit like that. Like, for calling, you know, to, it doesn't work the other way. And that's probably the problem that many black people have. Like, if you have even a drop of black blood in you, then you're black. But then you're like, okay, so then this woman's black. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, every Native Americans
0: have been fighting this a lot. I mean, this has yeah. been, you know, you got the whitest person on the planet claiming they have a quarter Cherokee. And so they should, you know, have the oh. same. Uh, so the very few right. social privileges that some Native Americans have, well, they gambling. want to claim that as well. Um, I don't even know if you can say Native Americans have any privileges, but there's some form that of reparations. That's that all they, they want. What's that?
1: The gambling money, the casino. <laughs> that, that,
0: yeah, I they sh- just want to be able <laughs> to do. That's all that. they want. Yeah. That
1: reminds me, I have to fill out some forms this weekend because I, <laughs> my, my great grandmother was full. You're blood Native Jericho, American
0: so. and you're black and a supermodel
1: Whoa. girl. i'm fucking rupaul is what i am inside (laughs)
0: it's it's such an interesting idea uh we Mm -hmm. wrap ourselves with these different labels so tightly that we become confined by them and Mm -hmm. and we never really stop and think i don't need these (laughs) labels these labels don't define me i I am who I am, whether I claim to be a black woman or whether I claim to be something else. I'm still who I am inside, so why should I have to stand up and shout? You don't have to claim something. You can just be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just just be. And, and you will be completely fine, and, and no one is going to care. But the second you start claiming, and the second you start fighting, and you know it's a fucking lie, well, now your entire reputation is destroyed.
1: And it's so, really unfortunate.
0: It's it's weird, right? It's like weird. why I lie about a lot of things. I do too, on
1: a daily basis, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I don't think any one of my lies would ruin my reputation.
1: Isn't that terrifying? I mean it's really scary, you know? Like why did she feel like she had to go to such extents? But anyway, I don't want to get back into it, but it's just crazy, it's crazy.
0: It is wild. I I I I wish we could dive a little bit deeper into what, how we self-identify the ways that we self-identify.
1: Yeah, but I got some music to play, man.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, that
1: (laughs) quickly cut
0: us short. (laughs) Let's play some music with
1: Down to the Crossroad. Girl.
2: Ever had a question about religion but couldn't find the answer? Are you interested or skeptical about cults, magic, or ritual? My name is Witch Zavtick. I'm a scholar of religion and a witch in the Church of Satan. Allow me to research your questions and answer them on my Nine Cents segment, Unorthodoxy with Witch Zavtick. I can address anything from Scientology to aliens, Moonies to ritual magic, even the Eucharist, and of course, all things satanic. Send your questions to zavtickworks at gmail.com and tune in every month to Unorthodoxy with Witch Zavtick, only on ninecentspodcast.com.
0: Standing in the back door crying. Alright, there you will. Sure you want to stay out in this blackout? Sure the dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine.
2: See yourself. <laughs>
1: What are you doing out here?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm headed down to the crossroads. crossroads. <laughs> Wait, Miss, you can't be. You're, the,
1: you're the devil? devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my God. Hey everybody, it's your good friend Aaron, and I'm here to talk about Down to the Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you know, I like to have a theme, but really, this theme this week is is just Howlin' Wolf because he mm-hmm. recently had a birthday, and I don't feel like I talk about him enough. I know I've met, I've I've played a few songs of Howlin' Wolf on here. Yeah. I played Spoonful and Evil, probably way back. I think way back in the beginning, I played Evil, but um, I want to play more of his lesser known stuff. Uh, I start sort of early in his career, and then we move to a later period, and then we finish with one that's really. Really poignant, um, but anyway, let's let's go ahead and start in the music. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, everybody, go to the Facebook, down to the crossroads, and get the playlist. Go to the Night Sense website, get the playlist, because we're gonna in five, four, three, two, one, we're gonna hit play, and then you sh- probably should be listening along, otherwise, this is just us talking to each other.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: here we go, play. All right. So this song is nice. called yeah it's nice i thought you'd like this one this one's called 44 yeah it's got a nice uh movement to it you know a nice shuffling along uh it's almost like a, a like yeah almost like like a military shuffle down there on the snare drums and then the bass drum just sort yeah. of slamming down uh, and then of course there comes the oh, voice and he says, you know, he, he repeats, I wore my 44 for so long that I've made my shoulder sore, um, <laughs> which is just great imagery. You know, you just think about and Howlin' Wolf is this big motherfucker. You know, he's 300 pounds of heavenly joy and he's <laughs> six foot six. And he, but he's, you know, he's weighted down by this firearm, you know. And um, but anyway, the song is old. He didn't write the song. It's an old blue standard from the 20s in Louisiana. And it was originally like this sort of piano-y, barrel house, honky-tonk song, which you can maybe kind of hear a little bit of, but he really sort of made this version his own. Um, Gosh.
0: Sorry, I'm trying to show up so you can talk. I feel like I always interrupt you.
1: No, I want you to interrupt. I know all there is to know about this fucking song. I want to hear what you think about it. People want to hear, you know, I could talk about stats, all the, you know, kind of guitar they're playing and stuff like that, but I want to hear what you think about it.
0: Well, so when it started, I immediately just wanted to kind of get on a dance floor and sort of move yeah. slowly, you know, hips to Hell hips yeah. with someone, because that's what's, it, this is the, the rhythm for me, what I, I really want to do. And then he starts barking out, and there's, there's a lot behind that idea, the weight
1: uh-huh. of
0: a rifle, the weight of what you're doing, if you're in that sort of uh, military situation.
1: <laughs> yep. But, you know, he talks about it's really interesting. He's talking about, you know, he says I wore that 40 for so long. So he mentions the gun and then he moves right into like, where has anybody seen where my baby went? So you have to you have to make that connection where it is like, oh, shit, like some shit's about to go down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's mad this morning. I don't know where
1: to go. And Wolf, when when Helen Wolf sings, you fucking listen, you know, (laughs) like he's not a man to be trifled with. And when he's growling at you like that, you really have to pay attention. There's no ignoring the howl wolf. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right.
0: So, I mean, we're we're sort of talking over this. Is he going to look for his girl with the gun if he finds his gun? Or is he going to look for a man?
1: Oh, well, see, I don't know. That's that. It's ambiguous and mm. that's what you like about it, you know? I he's menacing, that. but he's not out and out making threats, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Th- this entire song was just a brief moment of him mm-hmm. just sort of passing this thought. I'm yeah. pissed. She's gone. Where's my 44? First of all, it starts off... I I Setting the scene, I do not want to carry this 44 anymore. It has weighted right. me down. But <laughs> exactly. this has pissed me off so much. Right. right. I'm going to go pick it up. Where did it go? Right. Like, I... I did everything I could to get rid of this weight and now I just want it back one more time. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's kind of cool. There's a lot to read into that in in Mm -hmm. so many different ways you could read it. That's cool. I love that. His voice is so good. It is so so good.
1: It's so good. And you cannot mistake that voice for anyone else. Like mm-hmm. at the minute, any Howlin' Wolf song, the second you hear him sing, you're like oh, it's a Howlin' Wolf song. And there <laughs> are songs that I've, Howlin' Wolf songs I've never heard, because he's got a bunch of songs, but if I were to hear some Howlin' Wolf song I'd never heard before, believe me I would know it was him right away. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go stuff. ahead and play the next song. It's just, anyway. This one's pretty great too. He turn Slick on me, which is just a terrific title. <laughs> And it starts out real nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. traditional. With that, that's dun, dun, uh, dun. Hubert Sumlin on the guitar, and he's Howlin' Wolf's longtime guitarist. They were together for oh, over 20 years, I guess. Yeah, over, a little over 20 years, probably. But uh, yeah. So this is from 1973. This is later in his career. And his voice is still the same. It's always going to be... You can always hear Helen Wolf, but the music's a little different. You know, there's... There's a oh, there's a harpsichord on this song, which is crazy, yeah, um, you don't hear that very often on in the in the blue songs, maybe in this air you start hearing it a little bit more, but there's even there's like a harpsichord solo later on in the song <laughs> um that sounds so good, yeah, so he's based, in the song, he's basically talking to his woman again, it's just like you you came in last night. Your clothes are hanging off you, uh, you know, he's just saying like, I, sp- the money I spend on you, you're supposed to do what I tell you to do. And I can't, <laughs> you know, if you keep coming around here, uh, you know, I, I, put, I feed you, I, I try, I take care of you. I try to like bring you up in the world, move you to a better station in life. And you, this mm. is how you repay me. You know, you know, he's just sick of being disrespected. You understand.
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, no. Not at all. Everyone listened to me. Uh, I, I love that idea. It, it even perpetuated when I was a kid, where a woman was very much sort of a sense of, not outright, I mean, there was absolutely respect for it, but it was like the woman was owned by the man. Mm-hmm. It was like, I bring home the bacon, and you will cook it up, and you will take care of the children, and you will do all this other stuff. Uh, dishes, laundry, and I will sit down and enjoy watching you do it. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: Like, that was sort of the environment that I was raised in. I mean, my mom was wonderful in that she she raged against it. Uh, (laughs) But she was, I mean, ultimately, she was, she had to have been okay with it because she still did it. Like, she still did all the stuff that are traditionally female roles. And it's, I mean, it, it comes from you know, ancient times and survival, why we had those roles and why they worked so well. But do you think that stuff is even, do you think it's even relevant anymore? Thinking I'd, in terms of uh, gender roles in relationships.
1: Well, I think it's important. I mean, I don't know if, if it necessarily has to be two separate, like dichotomous
2: mm-hmm.
1: personalities, you know? Um, we could all be well-rounded people. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the more hands involved with parenting, like, you know, two is probably better than one, but I'm not saying necessarily a man and a woman, but if you are going to be two men or two women or whatever it is, or three or four or whatever, you know, but at least be well-rounded people, you know, could be able to cook, be able to clean, be able to build, be able to, you know, um, earn good, money, you have to be able to do all of these things if you're going to shock all the, you know, traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. I do think a male influence and a female influence is important, but I don't know that it necessarily has to be um, from a female and a male, you know, we could just reassign these things. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not a parent. What the fuck do I know about kids and shit like that? But
0: (laughs) It is interesting, though, because in a lot of the blues, you have these really polar ended uh relationship roles, gender roles being discussed, and it 's when they break those that the relationship starts to fall apart, which is sort of inspiration for a lot of the music you know you 're down your girl left you, your girl cheated on, your guy left you, your guy cheated on you uh you killed someone they killed some you know so there 's a lot of this uh, tension uh mm-hmm. with attempting to experience a relationship as if it was something that you can have forever like you first experienced it through sex or something. Right. Uh, you know, people just disconnect and that disconnect feeds the blues. So it's really nice to, to sort of mm. take a step back and look at. Um, Very
1: interesting Yeah, I
0: love I love this this type of, the style of blues that he's playing here it's, it's not quite, you know, your deep Delta whereas just a guitar and a voice. I mean it's much more produced like you're going to find with some BB King type stuff early on. Um yeah. but I still really enjoy it. I didn't yeah. even notice like the I think <laughs> I I was talking over the the
1: solo, the harpsichord solo that you were talking it's- about. It's pretty gnarly, but... (laughs) (laughs) i have to listen back to that, damn it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the harpsichord. I've never, even in, like, classical music where I think it belongs, Mm -hmm. it's still just the worst sound to me. I hate it. Why do you think they put it in? I could not tell you. (laughs) I really don't know. I guess they were just trying to experiment with... uh, I don't... Yeah, it's it's weird to me. Why not an organ? Like, an organ is a cool instrument. Mm -hmm. The harpsichord is... The tiniest doll, like to me, it's just the like
0: <laughs> chamber music. I mean,
1: yeah, it's so boring. Ugh. <laughs> <Anywhere>. <laughs> yeah. So that song was, it, you know, uh that's from this, this album. Like I said, it's from like 1973. So it's from yeah. this album called the, the Backdoor, the Backdoor Wolf. And mm-hmm. it was recorded in 73, but it was his last studio recording, wow. last studio album. Um He died in 76. So, the, yeah. but this was the the last one. And so maybe, I mean, the Helen Wolf had always been sort of on the avant-garde, like on the cutting edge of, of at least how his audience perceived him. Um, you know, he was, this is the Chicago blues. He's moved on. He's, he's from the Delta. He's from Mississippi, mm-hmm. but he moved to Chicago and he em, embodies now, you know, Chicago blues. Um, but, you know, this, this album was very much of its time. And I think, you know, because Howlin' Wolf was one of those, the blues artists, him and Muddy Waters and then a few other that um, that made that transition from Delta blues, uh, the folk music, folk, yeah. you know, made that connection between the Delta blues and then the electric blues. And they did it with the help of people who are interested in folk blues, you know, those the hippies, like the counterculture in the 60s. And Howlin' Wolf worked straight through the 50s, 60s and 70s because he was always willing to embrace the new fads. You know, he was he had never had a problem playing for white audiences. You know, he played with the Rolling Stones. Like they brought him out on this TV show called Shindig. Like they brought Howlin' Wolf out and they took, you know, he went on tour and that's what all the British bands that picked up the blues, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Yardbirds and Eric Burton and the animals. Like they were all, they saw Howlin' Wolf and they were just like, just like me as a kid when I heard the blues like, as a, you know, some white kid in New Hampshire, I was just like, what the fuck is this music? And, you know, he made that – so this this album, while not very good, you know, there are some – some that's yeah, a great song. And this song is good despite the harpsichord. But it is <laughs> sort of uh, indicative of Howlin' Wolf's, um, you know, need to – or ability to connect with uh, a wide audience. And, you know, he, he, tried, he tried things and sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. But he was always willing to try. He was never um, – you know, he was never provincial. Like he was always just like, yeah, uh, fuck it. Let's go to, let's take it to Europe. And he would go to Europe. So, you know, I like that
0: about artists though. When they, of course. Yeah. I don't want to stretch. I hate, I hate hearing the same album five times.
1: I hate that about people in general. I hate people who are dogmatic and who are, you know, who refuse to, to, or close minded. I don't fucking Mm -hmm. like those people. You know, people are just like, this is who I am. And, I you know don't try to change my mind about shit like fuck you then like i'm (laughs) you know it's something i deal with all the time with like i'm at this age where like shit i'm like my parents now i'm just like what the fuck are these kids doing and then i have to (laughs) you know like it's crowdfunding this is something josh and i talk about like kickstarter and gofundme and shit like this and you know at 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 first, I'm just like, fuck these motherfuckers. Like, who the fuck do they think they are that they can beg me for money? Get a job. And then I then I go, wait, well, maybe this is the future. And maybe it's not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody's wrong right now. But why don't you just chill out a little bit and not be grandma, you know, Zupans over here. <laughs> <And just laughs> fucking maybe this is the, the way things are going to be in the future. And maybe if you don't want to get fucking left behind. And I don't. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be some fucking out of it dipshit. You know, I want to know what the fuck's happening in the world. Like, anyway, I'm swearing too much. You should, <laughs> should play some more music and calm me down. Uh, let's do the next one. All right, let's hit it. So this one's called "Going Down Slow," and I played this one. I wanted. I put this one at the end for um, for a reason, and that's because this song. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> so good. So this right here is Willie Dixon. This is uh, Willie Dixon was a songwriter at Chess and he wrote a lot of songs for Howlin' Wolf and they didn't they didn't always get along. <laughs> but he was always there. Dixon Willie Dixon wrote a bunch of his songs. He wrote Evil and he wrote Spoonful, he wrote a bunch of songs and he also was playing bass in the song. He played bass with Howlin' Wolf for a long time. You could see him almost all the time hanging out behind him. Um so this is Willie Dixon sort of doing the the uh, intro, the spoken word part, which is great. It's a such a great uh, juxtaposition from Willie Dixon's, you know, mellow, like uh, contemplative, like he, you know, he basically starts the song saying, "Man, I, I've I've enjoyed things that kings and queens will never have," you know, <laughs> and it's sort of reflective. And then Alan Wolf kicks in, and he's talking about, "I've had my fun, I'm, but I'm dying," you know, and it's a it's a really powerful song and it, this song actually had a lot of meeting meaning for Helen Wolf. Cause he later on, he says, you know, um, you know, I'm sick, I'm dying. I'm going down slow. Um, and then he talks about please write my mom tell her I'm dying, you know, do what, please. I need my mom. I'm dying. And, um, <laughs> you know, this is really important to Wolf because this actually happened to him. Like, like I said, he died in 1976 and he had, he had a few heart attacks and then he had, he had kidney failure, uh, but his he and his mom didn't get along. Like they, she, he at first was raised by his mom, and then he moved in with this horrible uncle that beat him and yelled at him and shit. And then finally he like ran away from home and found his real father and moved in with him and by all accounts, like had a great life after that. Like his dad was super nice and he had a great big family, but his mom was really highly religious. And so she shunned him basically to put him out, you know, said, you're not my disowned him. You're not my son anymore because he played the devil's music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, it's just really, it's, he's like the heartbreak kid, you know, he goes up and he gets, makes us makes he, he's the like the richest black dude in the world for a while, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not in the world, but you know, <laughs> but he made a lot of money and, and, at one point, he went back to his hometown. Like, he was doing a tour and he went back to his hometown. And someone, like, went and got his mom and brought her there. Was, like, he was, like, getting his haircut. And someone brought his mom, and they hadn't seen each other for 30 years or something. And Helen Wolf is crying and he's holding on Whoa. to his mom and he's, like, stuffing money in her apron, you know. And then, you know, after a little while, she's like, All right, all right, right. And then she takes the money out of the apron, throws it on the floor, and steps on it. It's like, You're not my son. This is, you still play the devil's music. Like, I don't want your money. Whoa. And that was the last time he ever saw her. And so, and he was, you know, toward the end when he was dying, he was like, like his wife, Helen Wolf's wife was trying to like offering to fly a, fly a plane, like a private jet to go get his mom. And she refused to come. And it was like this heartbreak for him, you know? But so this song is really meaningful to him and and to me in a way, because he's just, you know, he's just crying. He's begging. He's like, please mama, come help me. I need you. And she's just like, no. And they were, you know, estranged at the time of his death and he just basically, you know, never reconciled with his mom, which to me is just one of the most <laughs> sad, it's just the saddest <laughs> thing you can imagine is for someone to be sick and dying calling for their mother and she refuses to call him, all because he played the devil's music, you know.
0: It, it does speak specifically to uh, that, you know, that notion that you just said you absolutely hated people that won't change their mind, yeah, that don't have dogma. perspective. Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah, That that's the exact relationship I have with uh, some family members is I'm associated with the devil and so they have, want nothing to do with me. That's hard. And it's weird because I talk to their kids who mm-hmm. seek me out and they're like, you're nothing like my mom ever said you were. This is amazing, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have a relationship with you and connect with you. And she's so convinced that... She knows what she knows that no one, even her own children, uh, can't make her see reality. It's, it's stunning. It's really but heartbreaking. It, it's because of ideas like that that she will never have anything to do with me. So it's weird. It's, it's really fucking weird, man. Yeah. That, that you're so blind.
1: Yeah. Dogma makes you crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was amazing, Aaron. And I you. really love that. Helen Wolf is so fucking good.
1: He's so fucking good. Yeah.
0: Uh, how can uh, how can people tune in and, and hear more uh, music and notices and information and <laughs> contact you?
1: I do. I play a lot of music on the uh, Down to the Crossroads Facebook page. So it's just mm-hmm. Facebook and Down the Crossroads. And I'm on Twitter at Girl 19 where you probably see the stuff I post on Facebook there. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So no matter where you're kicking around on the internet, you can connect with Aaron and uh, you don't have to be a member of Facebook in order to see stuff, mm-hmm. or you don't have to follow her on Twitter. You can get it from Facebook. So that's why we're in different areas to make sure that we're in the area that you are. So I, I highly recommend, man. It, Aaron always posts the best quality content on it, either you're going to hear about a white woman claiming to be black or <laughs> a kick ass Howlin' Wolf tune. You tell me what you'd prefer to read or listen I mean. to or see.
1: Yeah. It's,
0: it's your choice, but the good stuff is there. You just have to uh, connect with her online. So, thank you so much, Aaron. That was awesome. Thank you. And, people, that is going to do it for yet another show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to hear from you. Visit the website, sensepodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at nincenspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit us in social media Satan at Facebook, Google, plus Twitter, MySpace. Uh, get updated on weekly topics, news, events teases right now for that newest segment that's going to be announced here in a week you're going to love it people you're going to <laughs> fucking love it
2: I know what don't. it is
0: and you all are going to love it <laughs> neener, neener, ne- I know something you don't know uh, you can download the show on Monday via the RSS feed uh, you can get it on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes uh, freaking everywhere But wherever you get it let us know how you're liking it or hating it reviews, comments we love to hear it And uh, remember, you can always learn more about Satanism in the Church of Satan by visiting churchofsatan.com. And the only way we're going to continue doing this beast, the only way we're going to keep going for four and a half more years, Mm. is via your interaction, tell a friend, tell us what you think, spread nine cents. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by...
1: Aaron.
0: The wonderful Aaron, bringing us amazing music every month. And until next week, people, hail Satan!
1: Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Wait, wait,
0: wait. What would your inner black woman sound like? Hey, hey, hail Satan.